Okay, it is time for us to begin this morning. This is study number 32. We are picking up in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. And this section I have highlighted here, uh, the mother of Zebedee's children ask for a favor or ask a favor. And this is verses 20 um, through verse 28. And again, I'll be reading from the New King James. Here the Bible says, beginning in Matthew 20, uh, verse 20, going through verse 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to her with came to her came to him with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him and he said to her what do you wish she said to him grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom but jesus answered and say, said you do not know what you ask are you able to drink the cup that i am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that i am about to be baptized with they said to him we are able so he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit in my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those who, for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are, who, uh, those who are great exercise authority over, over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be, be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So let's back up here and look at some of these things here in verse uh, verses 20 through 28. Um, so this we find here in verse 20, They came to him, uh, the mother of Zebedee's children, with her sons, Worshiping him, uh, as the or kneeling down and asking him for something. The King James says, "Worshiping him." Um, verse twenty-one says here, uh, and he said to her, "What do you wish?" She said to him, "Grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the, on the left in your kingdom." There in verse twenty-one, uh, she doesn't. You know, she asked here that she asked that the two chief thrones uh, for the two chief thrones by the side of Jesus. Uh, again, they may still uh, be looking for the temporal kingdom, is what the Patterson points out. The right hand and the left would be the most prominent places of glory in the kingdom. Verse 22, he says, But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink, and be baptized with the baptism that I am, that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. Um, the cup and baptism here is the experience of suffering that Jesus will have to undertake. Uh, that's what I think of anyway, and that's what the Patterson points out as well. To me, that seems fitting. Uh, to drink and to be baptized being the, the things he's going to endure. The, the suffering, the persecution, the hardship. Uh, to be baptized with baptism I'm baptized with uh, is not in some manuscripts, as what the Patterson points out here. Their answer is, to Jesus, we are able. This only shows how much they really, as the Patterson says here, this only shows how much they, they do not know. Verse 23 says, So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. Uh, so you shall drink for yourselves. Uh, there in verse uh, 20, 23, uh, they have no idea of the trials and the heartaches that want to go. they want to go as a Christian in, in, the, in the body of Christ. Uh, it is not mine to give, means only God gives to sit in prominent places. 
But Patterson has here a, a correction in translation here. He says, Who sit my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, except for those uh, for whom it is prepared by my Father. I think this is a, tra- a correction from uh, from the King James. But it should be given to them for whom it is prepared by my Father. Uh, he says here, To sit my right hand and my left is not mine to give, except for those for whom it is except for whom is prepared by my father, except for those. Uh, so he kind of corrects that a little bit there to more of the New King James. Uh, Therefore Christ would give rewards, but only to such as should be entitled to them according to the purpose of the Father. In Matthew twenty-five thirty-one through 40, Christ bestows the rewards of heaven. Um, we think about heaven in general. Who gets to go there? Those who are faithful to God. Those who are doing what is, he have done what is pleasing in the sight of God, those who obeyed his commands. And so we look here in verse 23, when Christ says, it's, it, but it's for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. Heaven is a place prepared for those, uh, designed for those uh, for whom uh, the Father has chosen to be there, and that is the faithful. Uh, but they're asking for things that, that, he, that they have no right to ask for. Verse 24 says, And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. Uh, the ten felt James and John had been taking advantage of their uh, their relation to Jesus. Uh, so that just a reminder of who we're talking about here, James and John. How the ten heard, th- heard about this or knew about it is not stated. Verse 25 says, But when Jesus called them to himself, he said, he said and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and that those who are great exercise authority over them. Uh, the ones in authority, the rulers of the Gentiles, hold in subjection and exercise lordship over those under them. Uh, whereas the governments of the world of Jesus may have um, been uh, harsh to their subjects and exercise uh, arbitrary power over them, this is not true of the government of the church. That is, those who are in positions of power or authority, which today in the church would be elders, uh, are not to exercise, not to abuse those who are under them or who are subject to him, uh, to them. Uh, looking at verse 26, he says, Yet, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever, whomever, or who, excuse me, and whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Uh, verse 26 and 27. So the church is not set up nor operate like the governments of the world. Uh, in the church, the way to be uh, the way to be great is to be to be a servant. Uh, this is this same word used here is the word we use for deacon in the church, a servant of the Lord and of the church. If so we look at verse twenty-seven, there's also a way to be chief in the church, but it is not in the way of the world. Uh, this is completely opposite in verse twenty-seven, a popular a popular opinion, uh, both then and now, uh, to be someone's servant. Uh, verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so even as the Son of Man uh, came, came not to be served, but to serve, um, for many means instead of or in the place of, Jesus gave his own life as a price to pay for the freedom of the slaves of sin. In this way, Jesus substitutes himself for us. And so as you look here in verse 20 through 27, it's all about being servants and we find that in verse 28 also the son of man did not come to to be served but to serve christ came to serve the lord and serve the father on the earth and to also to reach and to to save the lost and how do you serve us by dying on the cross for mankind as we look at verse uh 29 
Uh, verse 29, I have here Jesus heals two blind men. Uh, for verse 29 through uh, the end of the chapter here. Verse 29 says, Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. That's a common phrase, a great multitude followed him. And I always think about how sometimes the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and, and the Jews also, uh, I think many of their actions were motivated by jealousy, that Christ, where people, where multitudes were following him, great multitudes were following him, and that made them jealous. Uh, we also have to remember that Christ was not about quantity. Christ was about quality. Uh, many people would follow him and many people would walk away from him. As we know that also in John chapter 6, when he tells them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you, you will have no part of the kingdom of God. Uh, and the Bible tells us there in about verse uh, between 60 and 66 that many went back and walked with him no more. Uh, and so people would follow him and people would walk away from him. Christ was always about quality, that is obedience, over quantity, that is over sheer numbers. Uh, looking at verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? Now, did Christ know what they wanted? Yeah, I think he did. I don't think there's any doubt he did. Uh, but when Christ does does these things, at least in my judgment, he does it for a reason. He does it to prove some points and to make and use these as opportunities. And so in verse 30, uh, verse 30 and 31, they're calling out to Christ, and they're calling him Son of David. Um, here in verse 30 and 31. Uh, the two blind men could tell by the crowd's reaction that Jesus was passing by. Um Perhaps they felt this was their chance, and so they ask, uh, Christ tells them, he stops and says, what do you want me to do for you? In verse 33, they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. Immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Verse 34, immediately, when Christ healed people, he healed them completely, wholly. When the apostles, who were the, the men who were, you know, as we know, the Bible tells us, they were in Acts 2, who, were, who received the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit, when they laid hands on people to heal them, uh, they did so completely. There was no hobbling up to Christ and hobbling away. There was no walking up to Christ, doing this, trying to find your way, and then doing the same thing, doing the same thing when you leave, saying that he healed me. No, they were healed. The Bible says, and immediately, and immediately their eyes received sight. And they followed him immediately. He healed two blind men by just desiring to do so. The Bible says there in verse uh, 30, he touched their eyes and they received their sight. Now, in Matthew chapter 21, we have uh, what many call the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And I actually did a series of lessons uh, years ago that began in Matthew 21. It began with Christ entering to Jerusalem and then ended with his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, because this is a triumphal entry into, into Jerusalem, but as we know, things change extremely quickly. You know, he's greeted by people who, who, who want him there, who, who believe in him, and then almost immediately after that, he's met by a group of people who can't stand aside of him. So looking at Matthew 21, 
In this section, uh, this may be uh, given as the entire section here, but Matthew 21, uh, 1 through through verse 11, is the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. So we're going to read through this, and then we're going to make some comments. Uh, but first we're going to notice verse 1, then we'll read through this some more. The Bible says, Now when, the, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples. Uh, and so uh, this the last week... And I have here the last week, and many commentaries have, have something like this. The last week of Jesus, day by day, and begins on Sunday. Sunday is the triumphal entry, return to Bethany and on Sunday. Monday, to Jerusalem again, the cleansing of the temple, returns to Bethany. Uh, Tuesday, the great teaching of Jesus, chapters 21 through 25, and then back to Bethany. Wednesday, evidently remains in seclusion. Thursday, the Last Supper. And this is from the Supper of Gethsemane, uh, from Gethsemane to the house of Caiaphas, from Caiaphas to Pilate, from Pilate to Herod, and returned from Pilate to Calvary. Bethpage means house of unripe uh, young figs. Interesting name, house of unripe young figs. Let's name our house that. That's, that's interesting. Uh, or name our town that. Uh, both Mark and Luke speak of Christ coming to Bethpage and Bethany. The Mount of Olives was located on the on the east side of Jerusalem. Uh, and now, so verses 1 through 11 are the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, so beginning here in verse 1, uh, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Going to the village opposite you, immediately you will find a donkey tied in a goat with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Um, so a donkey and a colt here in verse uh, uh, verse 2 is mentioned. You'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Uh, Jesus instructs him to untie them and bring the donkey and the colt to them. Verse 3, If the owner was a disciple, this request would amount to a command. If not, he would be... Uh, Brother Patterson says he he would be providentially prompted to grant the request. Um, the Lord describes the one who has power and authority. Here, the Lord, as I mentioned in verse 3. Uh, Jesus thus used the expression to describe himself. In the New Testament, Lord is used as master of the slave, of har- uh, master of the slave, Matthew 10, 24, of, uh, master of, of harvest, uh, Matthew 9:38, uh, master of the vineyard, Matthew 10, me, Matthew 20 verse 8, and uh, master of the of the emperor or uh, of the emperor, lord of the emperor, uh, master of the emperor. I'm I'm assuming that Acts 13:27, and uh, and of God and Jesus. Uh, so in the New Testament, Lord is used often as master of these various things and of God and Jesus often. Um, verse 4. All this was done that might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet, verse 4. Uh, the, this prophecy is from Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. All this was done that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, and a, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Then they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on, on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. You think people are going to notice that? That here comes a man on a donkey and 
we find here in verse, uh, we find here in verse, uh, he says here, lowly, sitting on a donkey, a colt, the full of a donkey. Okay, there in verse 4. Um, but he's sitting on this animal coming in, and what happens? They're laying clothes across the road. They're cutting down, the Bible says there uh, in verse 8, they're cutting down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Uh, this is what you do for royalty, right? It's like a lot of places they'll roll, you know, the, the Hollywood stars, they roll out the red carpet, right? Yeah, they like they deserve red carpet. Anyway, um, but it's a similar idea, right? It's He's walking, he's going to be coming across these clothes and across these branches because he is Lord. Uh, and they recognize him and treat him as royalty. Looking at verse 9, Then the multitudes who went before, and those who, who followed, cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest, there in verse 9. Uh, so they cried out, saying, Hosanna. Uh, the Greek word means help or save, we pray. Uh, this became a part of the Halil, that is the Jewish ritual, which included a selection of certain psalms of praise. It's familiar to all in, in Israel. They were proclaiming, they, really pro, they were really proclaiming him the Messiah. And notice here, also in verse 9, uh, but he allows them to do this. He allows them to do this. He doesn't, he doesn't prevent them, doesn't say them, you know, uh, tell no one. He doesn't, you don't hear any of that here in chapter 21. And when they came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So looking at verse 10 here, the Bible says the city was moved, basically meaning they were agitated or stirred up. Uh, as the Patterson defines it here. Um, the cities, uh, they said, who is this? Obviously, they did not know his complete identity, or not everyone knew his complete identity. And the multitudes say that he is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth. And so we are left to wonder, but the Patterson says here, how much they lacked in their knowledge of his being the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Uh, we don't, you know, they just, they ask who it is, and, they, and the multitudes say, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Uh, now we know, um, back in verse 9, what do they say? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right? They know he's from God. They know he is from God. And Christ does not stop them from saying it. Uh, to me, that's pretty exciting to think about. Uh, that You know, you get to, because we know many times prior to this, Christ would do, perform certain miracles, and at times he'd tell them, tell no one. And of course, we know a blind man who now can see, He's going to tell anybody. Everybody's going to see it. A man who couldn't walk, and now he's sprinting back into the city. People are going to see it. Uh, they're going to say, okay, there's that's he didn't do that before. Uh, and so, but he would he would warn them. And there's different ideas about that. The Bible doesn't say specifically why he told them not to do them, not to say anything. Uh, but he did prevent them at times. But here in chapter 21, there's none of that. They're calling out, saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Christ doesn't say a word. He allows them to do it. Looking at verse 12 and following, we have here the cleansing of the temple, verses 12 through 17. This, to me, <laughs> helps, this section helps me and I think helps others remember that there is such a, such a thing as righteous anger. Um, boy, that was a big thunder. Uh, there is such a thing as righteous anger. And as we look at verse 12 through 17, we find here Jesus is going to cleanse the temple. This is what we call at many times the cleansing of the temple. 
this uh, the passion has here. This usually is regarded as taking place on Monday. Uh, this also can be found in Luke fifteen, excuse me, Luke eleven fifteen through nineteen, Luke nineteen forty five through forty eight, and then also John two thirteen through twenty two. That's the cross references I have here in my Bible program. And let me just double check to make sure that that is, um, yeah, John's correct. Um, Luke's is a correct is correct as well. Sometimes these cross references they give you right below it. Sometimes it's not a true cross reference. Sometimes it's something that they think just applies. Um, but these are accurate here, and so uh, I try to check those. Sometimes I, I, I forget to double check it, but those are correct. Mark eleven fifteen through nineteen, Luke nineteen forty five through forty eight, and John two thirteen through twenty two. Uh, if you have, and I mentioned this before, I think in our very first class, what's called Robertson's Harmony of the Gospels, that'll help you tremendously when you're reading the Gospel accounts because he puts them all in, in columns and you're able to easily see what's included in what Gospel account. Okay, um, to make those references uh, easier. So looking here in Matthew 21, beginning in verse 12, the Bible says, And Jesus went to the temple. I went to the temple of God, reading from New King James, and drove out all those who brought and sold in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, it's interesting to me, before we even get any closer, and, and really, uh, in verse 14 and following, we have more about uh, the idea of healing people really to me the cleansing of temple at least in matthew's account here really seems to be verses 12 and 13 <laughs> two verses right um if you look here at mark's account um and looking at verse 15 mark's account and mark 11 beginning verse 15 says so they came to jerusalem then jesus went to the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers, and the seats of those who sold doves. And he will not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but ye have made it a den of thieves? Verse 18 says, And the scribes and chief priests heard it, and saw how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. That's Mark eleven fifteen through 19. A little bit more, right? Uh, he goes in, and he doesn't just, he, he overturns the, the tables, and he kind of goes off on a little bit more. I say, you say go off. He is angry, and for good reason. He, he has every biblical right to be upset about what they're doing. Because notice here in verse in verse twenty, verse fifteen. So he goes in, he drives them out, which means he had to do it by force. He had to tell them to get out. He didn't just say leave, and they all went. He had to drive them out. Get your stuff. Get out. Get out. Right? Uh, probably more aggressive than that. But I'm not going to yell on the microphone. Um, and the Bible says here in verse, notice verse sixteen. He will not allow anyone to carry to carry wares through the temple. There in verse sixteen. Now wares is. Uh, a vessel, an implement. Um, I'm looking here through Strong's. Basically, anything, it, it would seem here by the definition here, anything that they're going to be selling. Uh, one definition here just says goods or stuff. <laughs> goods, I think, probably would be the more 
accurate in this context that they couldn't bring any of their items into for sale into the, into, the, into the temple there in verse 16. It will not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple, which means you can't sell in here. Don't bring that stuff in here. Now today, even in the Lord's church, do we have people today who are selling things in the Lord's church? You know, I can't help but think about places, some of these uh, groups that have these coffee houses in there. They have all these other things that are, people come in, they actually have to pay to do that. You know, we have coffee here in our church building. It's called a coffee pot. That's what it's called. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me. I say amazing. It's really confusing. That's what it is. It's not amazing. It's confusing and frustrating to to me to hear about people doing these types of things, these these groups doing these types of things. But I, I don't understand it. I don't understand the, the reason why when, we, when it comes to coming to, to, to worship God or coming to a Bible class that we feel like we have to have certain things there. If you feel like you need to have those things, then bring them with you. If you feel like you need a cup of coffee, bring a cup of coffee with you. I know certain, I know sometimes people don't like the idea of someone having a cup of coffee at, at their pew. But if you're not slurping it and making a big loud noise and making a big distraction, I don't care. But this idea that we need a coffee house or that we need a cafeteria, we need you know the, the, the youth cafe or something, because what it really comes back to is the idea of fundraising for the church. That's what it comes back to, but we find in, in the Bible when when does a church take up? When does a church? How does a church receive funds through the collection on the first day of the week during worship, not through these types of things? Now, some of these things are going on that were going on here in Matthew eleven or Mark eleven rather, were being done out of I'm sure by some by the matter of convenience, right? We have people doing the same thing today. Well, it's very convenient just you know, just to go in and be able to grab something to eat and a cup of coffee and then go, go to our classes. The church is not a social place. Yes, we have people there that we're going to talk to and have time to talk, you know, have that social time, so to speak, between classes and things like that. But the purpose of coming together to as the church is to what? To, to study if it's a Bible class or to worship if it's a, if it's a worship service on the first day of the week. The purpose is not to come to be fed physically with food or to be to be provided with physical drink. It is spiritual things that we're concerned about. And I think when we when we find people who are doing these types of things, we have lost the whole purpose of, of why we're there in the first place. Look at Luke's account. In Luke chapter 19, um, looking at verse 45 through 48, Luke 19, the Bible says here, Then he went to the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it. Saying, saying to them, it is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And then he was teaching in the temple, he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and leaders of the people sought to destroy him. And weren't able to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. Which means they were paying attention. He just drove out everybody at the temple who were selling everything, and, and his teaching is what is what keeps people there. The idea to me, what I find here is that he comes in, clears house, and people are not afraid they're still listening. The people who laugh are those who are there for the money. But it seems, as we find in verse 40, they were un, uh, 48 there of Luke chapter 19. He says, and we were and were unable to do anything, for for all the people were very attentive to hear him. I mean, they want to drive him out, but everybody's listening to him. And so what they say? They they back away. <laughs> um Look at John's account here in John chapter 2. John chapter 2, looking at verse 13 through verse 22, says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 
And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. That's a lot of stuff going on in the temple. It's a place you've come to worship God, right? Look at verse 15. This is not recorded in Mark, in Matthew, Mark, or Luke's account, but it is recorded in John's. As we know, the gospel accounts are different because why? Men focus on different things. Three people can see the same accident and see three different things. Look now at verse 15. We had made a whip of cords. A whip of cords. Can you imagine walking to a churchman today and people are doing things they shouldn't be doing? They're selling things and it's just like a place of, it looks almost like a Walmart. Everybody's selling raffle tickets. Everybody's selling this, that, and the other. And you went out and you grabbed a whip and said, you know what? All you get out. That's what he was doing. That's exactly what he was doing there. Look at verse uh, 15. He drove them out all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and, pour, and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So he, so the Jews uh, answered and said to him, What sign do you, do you show us since you do these things? And, and we find in verse 19 and following, he says, Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And what they were talking about, they think he's talking about the physical temple. He's talking about his body. You kill me, and three days later I'll be back. That's what he's talking about, right? Paraphrasing that. Uh So we're going to stop there. That's that's John's account. John chapter 2, uh, verse 13, going through really through verse 18. Uh, but he John records there in verse 17, his disciples remember that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Uh, Christ just goes off. To, as we would say today, use today's terminology, he went off on them uh, because they were making the 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 temple a place of merchandise or as the matthews account records here you have made it a den of thieves but probably because some of those people were selling things weren't honest i mean i mean christ talks about those who have dishonest scales right you put it on there you put a five ounce thing on there and it weighs a pound of five ounces well wait a second that's not right right dishonest scales and so uh he, he he's mentioned that numerous times uh, and so that's perhaps perhaps why he talks about the idea of this being a den of thieves because these guys were not honest in the first place. In John's account, he says it's a place of merchandise, right? Uh, there in John chapter 2, uh, in verse 16, my father's house, a house of merchandise. You do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Um, boy, some today need to really think about some of those things, don't they? Okay, we are... Uh, past our time this morning uh, next week lord willing when we come back um we'll be in matthew chapter 21 and verse uh, 14 matthew 21 and verse 14 that went by really fast didn't it i do thank you for being here with me this morning i hope you have enjoyed this study hope it has been encouraging to you and of course feel free to share this on social media uh or the link from youtube and then we'll also have the audio uh version on our uh, podcast channel as well. So I do thank you for being here with me this morning and hope to see you again next time.